God, we, we echo the words of the song we just sang. We ask you to speak, O oh Lord, now that you would give us eyes of faith, ears that would hear you and hearts that would love you and chase after you. God, we need help to do that, to be faithful to you. And so I pray now as we open this text and, and lean into it that you would help, help us. Father, we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, few things are worse than finding yourself in a place that you don't belong. Right? There are few worse feelings in life than being somewhere and coming to the realization, I don't belong here. Or that men, my, my guess is at some point you, like me, have accidentally walked into a women's restroom. Right? And women don't judge, you've walked into ours. Right? You go in, it's disorienting, it feels so familiar, and yet it's, it's so different. In fact, I remember the first, one, first time I had I was working on a golf course. It was a really nice golf course, but the, the guy's restroom, like literally, we cleaned it by just hosing it down. Like I took a hose in there, and I just hosed the thing down, and that was it, because there was just no hope. And then I went into the, the women's restroom to clean it, and there was a couch and magazines and flowers and carpets, and I wondered, are all women's restrooms like this? Why do they have it so much better than us? Well, if it's, not, if it's not a restroom, maybe it's, it's a sporting event. I remember going to a Cubs game um, as a Cubs fan when they played the New York Mets in New York. And the New York fans there were, uh, made sure that I was aware that I did not belong there, and that was the New York Mets stadium, and the Cubs were not going to win. Right? It's a common feeling in, in life. When we move to a new city, when we go to a new school, go off to college, it feels like there's always more spaces that I'm learning or experiencing, realizing I don't belong I think the band Radiohead sums it up nicely with their song Creep, which I heard at junior high. It was just the right moment. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the song, but the lyrics go like this. I wish I was special. You're so very special, but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. And the reason that song is so great is because even though I have no idea what they're talking about, I know exactly what it is they're talking about. Now, what do we do with those feelings, those longings to belong, to feel like we have a place to call home? Well, one common human answer is to conform, right? To, to fit into our surroundings, that we laugh at jokes we would never laugh at. We wear clothes we might never, might never have worn. We go to places we might not have gone. We say things that we might never have said. We compromise, and slowly, over time, the parts of ourselves that we, we wish could come out actually can't because we have to conform to fit in to feel like we belong, and we've all done this at some point. And a few weeks ago at, at community group, we were talking about this as a community group. And it was a time for you to share kind of your own experiences. But my wife decided she'd share my, share my experience of how I do this. Um, and, and so she pointed out, well, in high school, Tim would only buy clothes from this certain store. And, and, and his mom pointed it out. And it was ridiculous. And I'm like, thanks for, thanks for sharing that about me. I appreciate that. Um, but, but you guys, you can't judge me about that because you do it too. Or you're doing it. That we've all done that. We conform to our surroundings so that we feel like we belong. And yet, it doesn't work. And that's one answer. The other answer is, is we assert our individual identity, right? We're important. We assert our rights or our desires. That we're our own person. We're never going to tailor ourselves to anyone else. right? We're not going to conform. We're going to be our own person. And we're just going to belong and let other people accept us as we are. And if you do that, maybe you really do that. My guess is you don't really do that. Because human, human's capacity to conform to our surroundings is actually one of the unique things about being human. Now, there are tons of, actually some quite disturbing studies by psychologists that point out our tendency as human beings to conform to our surroundings. 
the one recent study um, produced in psychological science showed that humans are far more likely to conform, to give in to our surroundings than chimps or orangutans. That's right, a chimp thinks for itself more than you do. That's the point. In fact, one of the conclusions was that actually conformity, the desire to conform, is, is a trait unique in many ways to human beings. But study after study shows us how we as humans so easily go with the crowd, and in many times it leads us to do really terrible things, really awful things that we may never do by ourselves, but to, to, to go against the crowd is just not often in us. But let's say you actually do, you actually are a person who asserts your individual identity. People don't affect you, people don't change you, you don't care what other people think to any degree. Is that, is that really a better way to live? Don't that lead to isolation or pride, that you're better than others, that they don't, you don't need them, you can do just fine by yourself? That we all long to belong, to fit, to be at home, but none of us know what to do with that longing. We conform, but that just leads us to suppressing parts of ourselves, or we let our true selves out, we don't care what other people think, and we never find true community. That the way we try to find belonging does not work. Well, Christianity has something to say to this tension It's why we started talking about spiritual gifts last week. And even though maybe some of you have been familiar with spiritual gifts um, through your life, we're kind of approaching this a little bit differently in in some ways. And and I think what I I want to get across this morning is that the the Spirit has has empowered all of us with God-given abilities and empowerments for us to serve others. But the Corinthians, the text we just heard, read, they're they're messing this up. They're instead using the gifts more for self-promotion, more to show how good they are. And... They're using their gifts primarily for themselves. And so the result is you have, you have a group of people which is really t- saying two things at the same time. One, they're, they're saying conform. right? Everyone, if you remember last week, everyone has to speak in tongues. That's the one gift everyone should have. And if, you're not, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a true Christian. You don't, if you don't have that gift, then you don't really have the fullness of what Christ is. Conform. You have to look like this to be a part of the community. But another thing then that, that they're saying is they're not just saying conform, but they're also saying, listen, we have our gifts, and we're going to use them however we want. And we don't care how that affects the community. I'm gifted. God's called me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And the result has been chaos in their worship services and in their communities. That they're reacting to this desire to belong, to fit in, in the same way we do, either by conformity, demanding conformity, or by individual expression at the cost of community. If the Corinthians face the same tension we face, this desire to belong, to fit in, to be a part of a community, and yet are, are doing the same mistakes that we do. And so Paul speaks, speaks to that this morning in this text by laying out, one, what, what we need to belong, two, what prevents us from belonging, and thirdly, why the church is where you belong. So what we need, what prevents us, and why the church. First, I don't know what you need to belong, but I know what I need. It's applause, it's praise, affirmation. There recently I was on a road trip with someone I didn't really know very well. We had a long trip in the car and he, uh, he, found, you know, he knew he was a pastor. So he asked me, what's, what's the hardest part of being a pastor? And I knew instantly. In fact, instantly I thought of a moment in my ministry life. It does, it's not hard for me to answer that question at all. The hardest thing for me always is, is when people leave, leave the church. And it doesn't matter if it's for good reasons. Right? It doesn't matter if they move away, it's a new job, or there's a new experience, or there's just a really good, understandable reason behind it. It still hurts. And when he asked me the question, I went back to, to the first conversation, the first moment where that happened, where a family, back when I was in Indiana, came to me in tears, just saying, We're, it's, we need to move, here's why. It was a good reason, I understood. 
But it, it just wrecked me. I didn't sleep that night. And, and even though they, they actually didn't end up leaving the church. And in that conversation, they were really encouraging to me, affirming of me. They end up stayed at the church. Still, when I think about that moment, I just, I just am terrified. It's, 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 what I need to belong is applause, it's praise, it's affirmation. And in fact, that, that was such a part of, of, of my own life, thinking through my, my vocation as a pastor, that I actually got to a point where I wasn't sure that I should be a pastor, that I was good enough, that I was gifted enough, that that's where God's calling was. I really began to have a lot of self-doubt, which is a part of why I went checked out of ministry for a season to go to seminary to figure out, God, is this where you want me? Is this where I'm gifted? I have no idea. Because of that need for affirmation, that need for praise, that that's what I thought I needed to, to belong. And so what do you need to, to belong? Respect, a prom- promotion at work, affirmation, better grades to get in the college you want to make more money. What is it that you feel like if you had that, you would fit in and belong? Whatever it is, that life is tiring. Trust me, I know. And Paul is at a little bit of a different path here, a different space, a different way to belong. And he starts in verses 12 through 13 by talking about why you and I, Christians, why we can belong to a community, the church. Here's where he starts, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. There's some rich stuff here I don't want us to miss. And and what Paul is saying is, is if if you're a Christian, you have have been baptized with the spirit and drank the spirit. And those are two metaphors maybe that are a little bit lost in us. They mean the same thing. Paul's basic point is, if you're a Christian, at your conversion, when you became a Christian, the spirit entered into your life. And sadly, some Christians have taken that text to mean there's a second experience of the Spirit when you really get it together and God really invades your life. Then you're full of the Spirit in a new and fresh way. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying all of us have been baptized in the Spirit. All of us have drank the Spirit. The only way he can say that and mean that is if he's talking to every Christian. And so if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit who's invaded your life, which has brought you into the body of Christ. Now, often what makes us humans feel like we belong, right, is, is a, a shared interest, a common hobby, a shared sports team, and we share that experience, and that's what draws us together. And what Paul is saying is what's, what the church shares together, what brings us into a space where we can belong together, it's not our race, right, it's not, it's not Jews or Greeks, that's not what does it, it's not our social class, it's not slaves or free, it's the Spirit of God coming into your life and bringing you into the body of Christ. That is our common experience as Christians which is what all of us need to belong. It doesn't matter who you are. Right? At this community, in the church, our, our belonging is not built on our resume. I mean, that's how it is at every other community. You have to be good enough, smart enough, funny enough, interesting enough. You have to keep up your reputation so other people want you a part of that group. Not so the church. You're welcomed in. You're a part of this place, not because of anything you do, but because of what the Spirit has done in you and through you. It's the Spirit alone that enables you to belong to the church, which also means we as a, as a church don't get to decide who belongs. We can't decide. The Spirit is the one who baptizes us, brings us into the body, and that's what holds us together. Not our hobbies, not our common interests, not our common passions, not the royals or the chiefs. It's, it's the Spirit of God alone, which means we don't get to decide who comes, who doesn't, who's a part, who's not. And also, the better side of that it means it doesn't mean what your reputation is. It doesn't matter. If you have the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, you are a part of this church. That is what you need to belong. 
And if that's true, I mean, if, if there's really a God, if there's really a spirit of God who invades our lives and makes us a part of the church, then this should be a unique place where our belonging looks different and is more powerful than any other space there is. And I realize the second I say that, you start thinking, or I start thinking even about past church experiences where it wasn't so great to belong there. It was really hard to belong there. It was really difficult to belong there. And that's where Paul's going to go next, is, is not just what you need to belong, which is the spirit, this experience of becoming a Christian, but secondly, there's things that prevent us from belonging and being part of the community. It really unpacks two things. One, either we don't think we need others, and that prevents us from belonging, or we don't think others need us. All right, so let's start with, with we don't think we need others. Look at, at verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, For the, the body does not consist of, of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Did you, did you catch the refrain there that happened twice? The, the person in the church saying, I do not belong to the body. That people in Corinth saw themselves as Christians and yet as not needing to be a part of, of the body of Christ, of the church itself. I don't belong. I don't fit. I'm not. This isn't for me. And I hear, I hear people say similar things today. We, we've adjusted it a bit. So today, at least in our uh, very Christianized culture in many ways, the, the, kind of the saying is, well, I like Jesus, but not the church. I really like Jesus, I follow him, but I don't want to be engaged in the church. As, as if there's a choice. right? As if the Spirit would invade your heart and life, convert you over to Christ, and then not bring you into the body of Christ. As if those are two separate things. That you can't love Jesus and not be engaged with his bride, with his wife, with his body, the church. Now think of it like this. I had a friend uh, a couple weeks ago who had a couple minor surgical procedures on his legs. And he was telling me about this, and he had, it was a local anesthetic, so he was awake during the entire time. And, and what they were doing was they were literally removing veins from his legs. So the local anesthetic works, which meant he couldn't feel anything um, or feel the pain, but he could feel what they were doing. So he could feel them tugging his veins out of his legs. And for some reason, he decided, because he was awake, oh, I'm going to take pictures of this. So he did, and, and I was sitting down to eat, and he brings out the pictures, and for some reason, I looked at them. And I, I see a picture of his veins laying on the operating table. I will never get that image out of my head. I'm sorry I've given you that image. Um, but there's a reason. It's because it's, it's disgusting. Right? Body parts are supposed to be on or in your body. That's, that's what they're there for. And if, if, you, if you insist on living a life of Christ, following after Christ, without being engaged in the church, you're, you're a vein on an operating table. It's, it's gross. You're meant to be in the body. You're meant to serve the body. And if you're not in the body, you're not... Fulfilling the reason God's given you his spirit. That at the end of the day, everyone in this room, you need others. We need this body. You need the people around you. So let me ask, is the church a place you go to or a place you belong to? That's you come to this place like it's a priority. Like you know if you're not here or even when you come, that the people around you are indispensable parts that you need to be full of, of the life of Christ. That by yourself, you're a body part on a table. It doesn't work that you need the people around you. Or how do you talk about the church? Do you invite others? Or how committed are you? That when, when we disappoint you, and we will, or we don't live up to expectations, and we will, will you stay? Will you commit, dive in deeper to help us become better, a stronger, more vibrant body of Christ? 
Maybe you hear all that and you say, but Tim, I belong to the big C church. Right, the big C church, not the local church. And I understand that, but the problem is Paul is speaking to a local congregation here in Corinth. Just like us, what we do here in Shawnee. Paul's not speaking to a big church. He's saying, you, you local church, you are a body of Christ in your community, in your space. And for me to say, well, I belong to the big C church, but not a local expression, not a local church, would be like for any one of us to say, well, I'm committed to the institution of marriage, but I'm not going to live with my spouse. Right? It doesn't work. To be committed to marriage, you have to engage, you have to go, and you have to enter into that space. And to be a part of the body of Christ, it requires being a part of this local expression, seeing that you need the people around you. And I know the church is messy. I'm not blind. I'm not stupid. The church is a very messy place. But that's part of the beauty in in many ways, is that we're a redeemed mess. Even the mess we bring in here, all of us who are in Christ know that mess is someday going to get reworked into something beautiful. And every person who frustrates you, who disappoints you, that person is one day going to be made perfect in the image of Christ. And we get to join with Christ as he does that in us and in those around us. And if all that's true, it means God has designed your Christian life to need other people. It's not a manual that comes for, for yourself. It comes to join a community. And so that... That's one way that prevents us from belonging. We say, well, we don't, I don't need others. I can do the, the Christian life by myself. The second way is that we, we think others don't need us. That we're convinced we're, we're not necessary. And I think that's especially why Paul uses the, the metaphor of the body here. It works really well. That, that if, if one part of your body's not working, you know it pretty, pretty quickly. Right? It's pretty obvious that, that if a part of your body is not functioning well, you're, you're drawing attention right to it. I think the TV show The Office actually does a pretty good job of, of illustrating point, Paul's point here. So, so let's watch a clip and have, a, have them explain it. Why? 20 minutes a day, Jim. That's all it takes. 20 minutes a day, all feet, no hands, and I'll have the pedodexterity of a chimp, and you'll be sitting there like an idiot. I'm sorry, Pam. Allow me to write you an apology letter. You don't have to do that. D. E. A. Next, please. A, dear. Thank you, hands. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. Don't worry about it. Dwight. It's okay. You were wrong. It's so hot. Well, A for effort, right? <laughs> I, love, I love that line by Jim in particular. Thank you, hands. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. Right? The, the, don't miss what Paul is saying here, which I, that illustrates really well for me. That if you, if you have the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, there's a part for you to play in the body of Christ that no one else can play. Right? You have your own unique space to fill. And without you, the body's not complete. Right? We're drinking coffee with our feet if you don't show up. That's the beauty of what the church is. And I think this is also why the Christian story to me is, is so important. That we live in a very celebrity driven culture where the more visible you are, we, we attach an importance to that, right? Visibility equals importance. 
And so the church, it's, it's, it's the exact opposite. And Paul's actually going at great lengths to explain this to, to the Corinthians, who had assumed that some of their own roles weren't important, they didn't matter, they weren't significant. And so Paul begins to unpack those who thought, others don't need me, I'm not, I'm not important, my role doesn't matter. Paul starts to speak to them in verse 21, here's what he says. Now I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. Now what Paul is, is doing here is, is really unpacking a pretty big problem in the life of the church in Corinth. If you remember back two weeks ago when we were talking through communion, that the church was really split in half. That the rich, they had their communion and their worship service and their church and their community, and the poor had their communion, their worship service, their church, and it was split and I think what's happening here in, in this chapter is we're beginning to see how that's getting worked out in the life of the community. That those who are poorer are saying, I can't do what, what those people can do. I don't have the influence. I don't have the education. I don't have the background. My gift, my contribution does not matter like theirs does. And Paul's saying that's wrong. And he uses the illustration of an organ, um, our, our internal organs, to, to point that out. That Paul's saying, you know, you don't, you don't see those parts to your body. But they're, they're vital. Right? You can live a long time without a hand. You're not going to make it long without a liver. And Paul's saying, you may not see them at work. You may not see their significance or their importance. But you know it. Because you're alive. And his point there is, is listen, you may not think your contribution is what the visible contribution is. Or the, 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 the things that we attach value to. But Paul's saying, your part of the church is vital. And without it, we would die. We wouldn't exist. So maybe what you do in the church isn't, isn't seen by many. Maybe you think your contribution doesn't matter. And Paul's pushing back against that. It doesn't have to be visible. Right? It could be just setting up chairs in the morning. It could be your contribution is praying behind the scenes that no one sees or it's holding a baby back in nursery. Whatever that is, that contribution is as significant as anything else that happens here on Sunday morning. And that's not just a, a cliche to get you to do things that, that are behind the scenes or difficult. It's truth to who we are as Christians. That the whole body matters, each part. And if one part checks out, the whole body fails, it dies, it doesn't work. In fact, it's not just that, that hey, it's going to die. If, 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 if you check out, we're, we're missing some, something integral. Paul talks about if, when you live into this, when you live into that, using your gift, even if it's not visible... There's actually honor, there's glory in that. Here's what Paul continues in verse 24. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have, may have the same care for one another. I love that line. In other words, it doesn't matter what your gift is. We all need one another's contribution because if one person checks out, right, then there's, some, there's a care, there's a, a, a need that's not being met. Right? And it doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's considered great or less. We're all dependent on one another. No matter what we bring to the table, we're all dependent on one another. And so Paul concludes by saying, well, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoiced together. Brother, do you see what Paul is saying there? That unlike our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, where your belonging is based on how important you're perceived to be, how funny you're perceived to be, how much value you can bring to other people. Paul's saying, here in, in the church, there's no division. Every value is unique and important and significant, just like a human body. And if one part of the body leaves, it doesn't matter what part it is. It doesn't matter how important you think it is. It's, it's a loss. 
There's no division here. There's no gifted and less gifted. It's all a part of the body of Christ empowered by the Spirit. So let me ask, who are the people that, that you need? And who are the people who need you? Now remember last week, we don't have the Spirit just for ourselves. We have it to give to others. And so who are the people that you need? Where are you weak? Where do you need to be built up in, into maturity, into Christ-likeness? As you look around this room or as you think about your community group, who you serve in, in children's ministry with, who has a maturity that you don't? Who's excelling where you're not? And you can go and receive their gift to, to mature you in, into Christ-likeness. And, and likewise, what's the gift that you have, God's given you, that you can give to others? To serve them, to bless them, where they might be weak, where God, for whatever reason, has gifted and blessed you. And as you process that, just remember what we talked about last week with Tim Keller's uh, helpful sort of layout of, of how we can discover our spiritual gifts, where we can contribute into the church. The first, look, look out. Right? Look out for the needs of the community and then go and, and fill them, whatever they are, even if they don't seem like a fit at first. The second, look in. What, what desires, what drives, what loves, passions is God giving you to go and serve us as a church? What can you contribute that's unique to who you are and how God has made you? And finally, look around. What are other people saying to you that they're saying, hey, you're gifted at this. God uses you here that you can then go and begin to be used. So my hope is at the end of the four weeks of this sermon series, really you'll feel two things. One, you'll feel confident just to go out and serve, right? That your, your contribution matters. And then two, whatever it is you do is as significant as anything else that happens on Sunday morning. It's not insignificant. It's not less important. But we need it. To, to, to be vibrant, to fulfill our calling and what God is calling us to be. And if you don't contribute, then we're like Dwight True, right? Drinking coffee with our feet, making fools of ourselves, if you don't come with your gift. So what we need to belong is the spirits. What prevents us from belonging is we don't think we need others or we begin to think others don't need us. And then thirdly, why the church is where you belong. And I realize that our restlessness is a sign that, that, that we, we long to belong and, and yet it's fleeting. That even when you find a place where you belong, where, where you finally feel like, this is my spot, it's so fragile, isn't it? That if it's at work, right, a team member who you hit it off with, they leave and the person that replaces them is not as good. Or you move into a neighborhood and it works really well and the family you're closest to moves away or, or even you come to a church and, 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 and people you become really close to, they end up moving away or leaving. Or, it feels like every time we find a space to belong, it's fragile and it breaks apart easily. So the question for us is how do we find a belonging that's not fragile, that won't be destroyed? And my answer, even in this fragile place, is, is the church. It's the one place with a longing, a belonging that, that won't be taken from us. And I know it sounds ridiculous because I know all of us have stories where the church was the last place we felt like we belonged, where a church hurt us or was difficult towards us and it became a place where we didn't belong. We all probably have those stories. But that's why I, would, I don't want us to miss what Paul is saying here, the unique beauty of what the church could and should be and what we are called to be as a church. That Paul, after unpacking, listen, others need you, you need others, he begins to lay out where he wants us to go from here, where he's going to begin to take the conversation for the next two chapters. In verse 27, he reminds them again, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And then he begins to unpack all the different gifts that make their way into the life of the church. And then he asks some rhetorical questions. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? And as he asks those questions, the assumed answer is no. No, everyone doesn't have 
the same gift. In other words, we don't come in here and conform to similar gifts or have the same gift. And it's even why I know there's been a couple of, and even this week and last week, there's long lists of gifts that Paul lays out. And I haven't unpacked them one by one. And the reason is, is one, uh, there's a great spot. The, the tool that we send to you has a, a good website with definitions of those gifts there. I'd encourage you to go see those definitions. Um, they, they do a good job there. But the main reason I didn't want to do that is because the moment you put a definition, you kind of put a box around what that gift is. And the reality is if, it's if you have the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching for you is going to look different than it looks like for anyone else because you have a different story, a different gift set, a different background that God's going to use in a unique way for you to teach. Or if you have the gift of wisdom, you're going to, it's going to look different for you than it is for others because you have a unique story, a unique background, unique gift set that God has given you. And to put definitions on these gifts or to say these are the 12 gifts, you have to have one, I think misses the spirit of what Paul's saying here, which is you have the spirit, you have your story, God saved you, he's put you in a church, now go and discover where God's calling you to serve and be. And that's going to look really unique. And it's why Paul even here doesn't say, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do that. He doesn't go there because it's, it's not so tight. It's not so easily defined. But the Corinthians, they, they wanted to make that. To either conform or to say, my gift matters more than the community. And Paul says, no, it's a mistake. Not everyone will have the same gift. And your gift is for the good of others, not for the expression of yourself. And so... My hope this morning is that we would both see the beauty of the individuality and also the importance of the contribution to the community. That's why I think the church is the one place where our belonging looks different. We're both, we have this unique place to serve and others expect us to bring that service, but also not just our own individual contribution, but also this community we have to be a part of that's going to pour back into us. I think a good illustration of that is, is when I went to seminary, I was a worship pastor at a church for a couple years, and, and I began to have a similar conversation. And they were really nice to me, but, but people kept coming up to me saying, okay, we like you as, as a worship leader. You're okay. But we, we feel like your calling long-term is, is preaching. That's the direction that you should go. That's the direction that you should, you should head. And, and even though it, I was always wondering, like, what's the but side of the you're a good worship leader but? Um, what's, what's coming on the other end? I had several of those, and God had made it clear through that that this is, this is where you're called. This is where you're headed. And the moment people begin to surround me and say, Tim, we think, we, we appreciate your preaching, but we really think you should go this direction. It's, as soon as that starts happening, whatever, whatever God wants to use me for the community, that's what, that's what he can use me for. And yet, th- th- there's two pieces of that that we cannot miss. One, there's a, there's a space God intends for you to serve. Right? It's not like other communities where you have to fight to find your place and, and you may not find your place and you may never be welcomed in. No, here you have a place to contribute. But the other piece that's important is the community around you affirms that. Right? It's not just you by yourself doing what you want. It's what is the community calling you to do? And that's a main way God is going to point out where your gifts are. But the key is in both of those pieces that we're part of the body of Christ. Right? And so maybe the thing that you're called to do, you don't like very much. Maybe you feel like Jesus' toenail right now. Like you don't want to really play that part. But even if you're the toenail, you're still Christ's toenail. Right? A part of his body, his church. Which is unique and beautiful. And a place unlike any other to belong to. That's why Paul is going to leave us all with, with one next step. And really, to me, the one next step you should take over the course of these four weeks, which is where he ends in verse 31 when he tells us to, to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I think we tend to, to 
Think of the higher gifts like the Corinthians saw the higher gifts, right? The gifts that make you look the most Christian or the most holy or the, the best. And Paul's not going to go there. In fact, the next two chapters, he's going to unpack the highest gifts or the gifts that most contribute to other people. Where does God most use you for the good of others? Those are the higher gifts. Chase after them. Go after the gifts that serve and bless other people. <clears throat> and that's the beauty of the, of the church, right? Why this should be a place to belong unlike any other. Right? That, that we expect anyone who would walk into this, to this space to have a contribution, to make to us, that we need that person. And if God saved that person, given them his spirit, and brought them into our community, I need that person for some reason. Right? And it may be a long time with some people before we find out why. Right? Some might be longer than others. And yet, we can't, we can't exclude them. We can't count them out. Because God has brought them here, filled, him, filled them with his spirit for a reason. And no other community is like that. No other community looks at every single other person with the expectancy that I need them. No matter what it appears, no matter what it looks like, without them, I'm incomplete. I don't have the fullness of who Christ intends me to be. They have been brought into the body of Christ like me to serve their parts. And if we live that, this becomes a place where everyone belongs, both to welcome others in, but also to serve others and use our gifts for the good of others. We're both individually, we're acknowledged and, and welcomed and affirmed, but also communally, we're welcomed and affirmed. Now, the church is the best and the only place where we truly belong. And I realize in this world that feels like a fleeting hope, unless you're a Christian who's entered our story. Right, that the church, we have the good news of a, a belonging that's indestructible from anything and available to anyone. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the place that he didn't belong, right? To, to the one place Rome had designed to, to show, if you end up there, you don't belong here. A cross. For the, the place reserved for the worst of criminals, the most terrible in society, the people they thought the most rejectable, they sent to a cross to make sure other people understood those people don't belong. Don't be like them. And so 2,000 years ago, Christ went to that place where you belonged, where I belonged, so that we could forever be in the place where he belongs. That we could belong to his church, his family. But not as a servant, not as a beggar, but as a member of his body, filled with his spirit to play a role only we can play. That's why Jesus went to where he didn't belong, so that you could now sit in here where only he belongs. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you went to your cross willingly, suffered the penalty that was mine, and broke out of your tomb three days later with a life so rich and full can overcome any of our feelings of isolation, loneliness, alienation. So God, I pray now as we come to receive communion that we would be reminded this is our family. We're a part of your body. We belong here. No matter what self-doubts we carry, no matter what frustrations are in our heart, God, we would know we are welcomed because it was your son himself who established this meal to bring us into his body, into his church, that we could know his good news and belong. Would you drive that feeling deep into our hearts now? For the glory of your son, Jesus, amen.